is up, everybody? Welcome to Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant's flagship podcast. I am your host, Josh Dooley, and with me riding shotgun, as always, is Chuck Holmes. It's great to be back for another week, and it's great to be talking about the NFL draft again, but uh, we are not going to simply run back last, last week's discussion, uh, as easy as that would be on us. The 2023 draft has been talked about ad nauseum on just about every platform, so Chuck and I are actually going to look forward to next year's draft, specifically those Buckeyes who we believe are going to end up as viable 2024 draft prospects. But first, Chuck, uh, how are we feeling? Have you made peace with football, sort of going on an extended hiatus here? You know, NFL free agency has quieted down. Spring games and the draft are in our rear view. There is still some news, uh, but where are you at, man? How are we feeling? I'm going to be honest. I've got to go throw all my notes away. I've got NBA. I've got 20 minutes on Victor Wembanyama, and <laughs> and now that's not what we're talking about. So tis the season. Yeah, if I'm quiet for a couple of minutes, I, I apologize. I, I'm going to have to catch up. But uh, football being gone is a uh, it's a sad time. But for me, uh, I, I love spring and I love summer, so I try to enjoy this time of year uh, on a personal level. And I can't wait to be outside, you know, being in Ohio, it's been brutal for this entire spring. So I'm happy to have some warm weather and get to enjoy some, uh, some outside. The beers are always colder when you're outside and the food is always more uh, tasty when it comes off a grill. Amen to that. And so <clears throat> for those of you who listened to the pod previously, Gene Ross was my former co-host, huge baseball guy, Chuck, also a huge baseball guy. So I know he enjoys spring and summer a heck of a lot more than I do. Although I'll still, you know, watch that stuff from time to time. But, um, you know, before we dive into some future NFL draft stuff, wanted to touch on some happenings in the real, not hypothetical world of Ohio State football here. So we are recording on Tuesday evening. And just today, this afternoon, Ohio State received, I believe it's 8th commitment from the transfer portal from a player that was in the transfer portal uh his name is taiwan i'm gonna say taiwan and taiwan just get them both out of the way malone 6'4, 300 pound defensive tackle previously from uh played at old miss he should have my understanding is three years of eligibility left in columbus whether or not he uses that all but you know we're talking about a kid who was the number 63 overall prospect and the number 11 defensive lineman in the 2021 recruiting class. So great pedigree. Um, you know, Ohio State did recruit him out of high school. He chose to go to Ole Miss. Frankly, did not do a whole heck of a lot down there at Ole Miss on the Grove. He had, you know, basically a baker's dozen worth of tackles, two sacks, and two passes defended in two seasons. But Still young, still learning. He also played a little bit of baseball at Ole Miss. TBD, whether he tries to do that here in Columbus. But, you know, throw the stats aside here, Chuck, and just look at the pedigree. Look at, if you've watched anything, you know, on him, a pretty fluid athlete for his size. I mean, when you can get out there and play baseball at 6'4", 300 pounds, you're a really good athlete. So what are your thoughts on this one, Chuck? I think it's a depth get for now but potential for down the road. Yeah, it's a depth get, but let's let's be honest. Like we had some injuries on the defensive line and on the interior last year. So this is a to me, this is the type of move 
you get at an Ohio State, right? You're not going to, in most cases, you're not going to get in the transfer portal uh, somebody who's going to come in and immediately be way like exponentially better than everybody else on the roster and slide into a starting spot. Maybe a somebody like a Jahad Carter, um, maybe somebody uh, like Davison Ibunosan, those guys, but those were also weaknesses, right? Defensive line wasn't necessarily a weakness and it wasn't something that we had to fill a hole. So I love it. You know, not everybody comes in as a freshman and a sophomore and just immediately becomes a superstar. Sometimes, especially when you're a big guy, you got to learn your body. You've got to get into like true college football shape that sometimes takes a year or two. And I don't think uh, I don't think this is anything but a positive for Ohio State. Worst case, he's a rotational guy. And I got to be honest, I would love to see uh, somebody who's 6'4", 310 in a home run derby. Yeah, there I did see some clips of him hitting a baseball. I don't know if it was like his only hit as a rev, but he uh, just dead center. It looked like it was uh, a half swing or a check swing. So the power's there. And yeah, I mean, the big, strong frame, the athleticism. I think, you know, if he truly comes in at 305 pounds, like I've seen him listed 3, 305, 310. I think that would make him the biggest defensive tackle on Ohio State's roster, like right up there with Hero Canoe. So um, a, a good get regardless. I think we'll see what this means down the road for him. But you're right. It's like getting a, a, a cheater recruit, right? He's got a little bit of experience, but still a ton of time potentially left in Columbus. So good ads there. Now we'll look at some of the subtractions. All right, last week, second year, Wide receiver Caleb Brown uh, put his name into the transfer portal on the last day to do so. And last Thursday, he committed to the Iowa Hawkeyes for some reason. Uh, he became the second wide receiver from that 2022 class to transfer out of the program, joining Caleb Burton. Not a huge surprise given the current and future depth of the Ohio State wide receiver room. Brown was the higher rated recruit between the two in 2022 and I thought he could have added some versatility. You know, I think he played some running back in high school and was sort of a, a hybrid tweener. Showed out a little bit, or was at least on the field, a decent amount during Ohio State's spring game, whereas Burton, you know, nothing against him, was likely never going to provide a ton of versatility. He was never going to be a middle-of-the-field guy at 165 pounds. I don't think he has seen the field or saw the field in his two years at Ohio State, so... Left from that class are Kion Graves and Kojo Antwi, a couple high-potential guys. Chuck, where are you at on the transfers out from this wide receiver position? I, I just don't understand who was talking to this young man and convinced him that Iowa was the place to go to be a wide receiver. Like, what, what part of last year and, and the struggles that that university had scoring points would lead you to believe that that's a good place for you to be developed. Like they, they've shown that they can't develop talent. They've shown that they can't produce numbers. And those are the two things you need to do. If you're a high level recruit and you want to go be an NFL wide receiver, you need to learn to do those things. So I'm not upset with either of the guys that they left. I think it was probably the right decision for both of them. I think you were right. Neither, even if, if, if Caleb Brown kind of came in and, and made some, so some kind of noise because he has some versatility. 
it wasn't going to be anything that was going to make him happy. So I, I, I'm happy that both of them decided to do what was best for them. And I don't think it's a loss for the program because ultimately, you know, we, we've talked uh, well, a lot in the team slack that it's this 2022 class of receivers may not see the field. They might have uh, gotten a bad hand dealt to them and that the receivers that came in before them and the receivers that came in after them are just so overwhelmingly talented that these guys might get swallowed up. So it was probably smart for these guys to get out now. I, I just can't imagine Iowa being your answer, though. That was just a mind-blowingly bad decision in my mind. So get the rim shot ready. I wouldn't bet on him scoring a lot of touchdowns at Iowa. Got him. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's news out there. You guys can check that out. But, yeah, look, Ohio State is and will deal with this as long as Brian Hartline is on the staff, you know, with these wide receivers in particular, because he is going to at least try to bring in three or four absolute dogs every year. You know, if he can get the top three or four wide receivers in the same class, he'll take them and say, look, best one wins the job, right? So that's good from him. That's good for Ohio State. It may not always benefit some of these players, but I think competition breeds success. And, you know, I'm not saying these guys ducked that opportunity because you're right. They want to get on the field, especially if they believe that they are ready right now. So I, I don't want to say that it's that, but... Yeah, it, it was going to be difficult, I think, for them to see the field definitely this year, maybe even next year. Now, I will say with Kion Grays, kind of reminds me of Chris Olave, just sort of like looks like him even too with the with the helmet on and everything. So I've still got hope for him. And Kojo Antwi seems like a tough dude. Um, hopefully they both contribute down the road, but TBD on that as well. Last thing real quick in recruiting news. So... We have not covered this yet. I think it's been on uh, the website. But 2024 four-star safety and Georgia commit Peyton Woodyard announced he is taking an official visit to OSU in mid-June. So there are quite a few other things going on in recruiting, but I thought this was particularly interesting. You know, Woodyard committed to Georgia on January 7th, but this will be his fifth trip to Columbus and second since committing to Georgia. So if the Buckeyes could potentially steal one from the Bulldogs, that would be some retribution, you know, in a sense for losing Damon Wilson and some others. Woodyard is a Cali kid and 247 has him as the fourth ranked safety in the 2024 class. I, I Who knows what the needs are right now. It's still very early in this class, but I do know that Peyton Woodyard is considered to be a very good player and Jim Knowles loves him some safeties. So if they could go out and steal him, get his commitment, or at least get him to reopen his recruitment, that would be big, I think, for Ohio State. Yeah, like you said, Jim Knowles, is this entire defense is built around these three safeties. He's going to have to bring in two or maybe three safeties every single year in order to keep the six, seven, eight guys that he needs to have in the depth chart to be able to field the team in any given season, right? You bring in three a year, you're going to lose one or two every year. It's just that's how it is, right? That's the new normal. We just talked about it with the wide receivers. So you're going to have to have that kind of depth every single year. 
And if you get him to open up his recruitment, this sure sounds like you've got a pretty good shot to, to convince him that Ohio State's the place for him. And if Ohio State could just get one, you know, steal one from Georgia, not that Georgia has really, uh, you know, pilfered a bunch of former Ohio State recruits, but, <clears throat> excuse me, just to go out and get a defender that Kirby Smart and Georgia have identified as a priority would be a big sort of steal there. So that's about it for the rundown, as I'm going to call it. Chuck, are you ready to talk 2024 NFL draft? I'm ready-ish. Uh, so I, I just threw my Scoot Henderson's paperwork away. I, I think I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right, so a week and some change removed from the 2023 version. What I suggested we do here is I will give you a draft day projection. All right, one, two, or three. First, obviously, round one, two, two, and three. Three rounds four through seven. You get it. Four Buckeyes who we both think are likely to go in the 2024 NFL draft. And then... You give me, let's call it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Thumbs up meaning you agree. Thumbs down meaning you want to move that player either up or down. You name it, dealer's choice. We can start to talk about it. In between, we can sort of discuss these guys, obviously, why you agree or disagree with my projection and all that jazz. Sound good? Let's do it. Thumbs up. All right. And I did not give you my list ahead of time. So these are going to be your real-time reactions. We set it up that way. Let's just jump right in. So my round one projections, again, 2024 NFL draft. Marvin Harrison Jr. Anything else need to be said? Ooh, uh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like you were going to jump in with anything. I've actually seen him, you know, mocked and it's super early as high as number two, which I, I think that would make him the highest drafted wide receiver since Calvin Johnson. I think that was 07 when he was drafted second overall. But in my opinion, he's worth the investment. Yeah, and the thing that's going to start happening with these receivers after these last two off seasons in the NFL where uh, off receiver prices have gotten into the 28 to 30 to $31 million a receiver for Tyreek and these guys that have signed, like – the wide receiver on a rookie deal is going to be the new quarterback on a rookie deal because you get the four years of essentially 20 to $25 million in cap savings when you nail a rookie receiver and you don't have to pay him for those first four years. So I think this could be the, obviously this past draft wasn't deep in receivers, so we didn't see it. But if you have a stud like him, and if there's a stud, if there's another guy that, that comes out the same thing, I could easily see guys like receivers going top 10 is going to be something that happens frequently going forward. Yeah, it's actually a really good point. And it doesn't even have to be, you don't have to hit on him as your number one. We're both huge Cincinnati Bengals fans. They're getting ready, you know, we think to pay T Higgins, arguably their number two, at least their one B, a huge sum of money if they want to keep him. So even if you hit him, hit on him as your second best or single, second most dangerous wide receiver, that's a huge cost saving. So I think that's a good point by you. My second guy, same position. I've got Emeka Igbuka also projected as a 2024 first rounder. I think that I, I, I'm not going to put him up there with Marvin Harrison Jr., but I think he is a perfect number two or number three 
on a really good team. I don't know that he has number one potential, but I think he has shown enough thus far working in tandem with a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. that I, I, I'm i not going to say he's top 10, but I could see him being a top 20, top 25 wide receiver. How about you? I think he's got the talent, but I'm thumbs down because I don't think... Already? Yes, and, and, and this is why. Because of the Kyle McCord factor, I'm not convinced that he's going to be able to distribute it a lot. I actually think Harrison, no matter how much McCord is good or bad, I think Harrison's numbers are going to look the same. Now, the route he routes he's running and the productivity to win ball games may be different, but he's going to have the same stats because he's going to be his outlet. He's going to be a security blanket. If he struggles at all, Obuka's the one that's going to suffer for it. And if he's only eight, 900 yards as opposed to 1,000, 1,100, 1,200 like we think he should be, I can see him dropping into the early second or mid-second round. See, I hate that you bring that up because I'm the biggest Kyle McCord fan and we're not going to go down this road. But yeah, like there are very few people who are projecting him or predict that Kyle McCord, even if he's good, they don't think he's going to put up C.J. Stroud, Dwayne Haskins' number. So that's fair. Uh, you know, if a team were to invest in a Mecca book and he only put up 800 yards, they would have to probably harken back to this season and really just see the potential. But I'm not going to let you sway me on this one. I do still think that he's a first-rounder, like I said, maybe 20-25 range. <clears throat> Next guy, switching over to the defensive side of the ball. Right now it's all potential and one or two games. But I think he's going to, you know, sh really show out this year. I've got JT Tuimolo out as a first-round pick next year. I know he's not the longest defensive end in the world, but he's got adequate size. We've seen him dominate on occasion. I think he just gets better and better and better in 2023 and becomes a first-rounder next year. What say you, Chuck Holmes? I, I agree because I think his, his floor – if staying healthy is like a Miles Murphy type season from Clemson, those took him at the end of the first round, right? If he lives up to his hype, if if JTT has ten sacks this year, he's a top fifteen pick, right? He because he just he has the size, he has the 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 speed to to be a disruptor. So if he proves disruptive forces in this season, he'll be a top fifteen pick. Pass rushers are almost there with wide receivers, right? A good pass rusher is costing you 25, 27, 28 million. So same thing. If you can get one early and only pay them 8 million for the first four years, it's worth it. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, sort of monkey off your Miles Murphy comp there. Miles Murphy was a top five national recruit in high school, productive at Clemson, but I don't think he ever had more than seven sacks in a season. It was just good and consistent across three, four years, <clears throat> showed that athletic profile, and Tui Meloau could be looking at the exact same thing. You know, we've seen him dominate on occasion. I'd like to see him at least six, seven plus sacks this year to prove me right, but I think he's got all the potential in the world. He's just a crazy athlete. So that was a good comp and, by and you. here's the thing. Same, the same thing that we talked about with uh, with the transfer from Ole Miss – 
not everybody comes in as a fresh, true freshman and dominates. Like he was really good as a sophomore. So it's just natural that he's going to take another step. And if he goes another step, seven or eight sacks is like bottom of the, like just bottom of that. Right. So I, I, I think you're, you're actually selling him short a little bit on that. I think he's, he, if you told me that he had 12 sacks this year, because the hope is they play 15 games, right? 12 sacks in 15 games seems like a reasonable number, especially when you're playing three games against four games or five games, whatever the schedule is against teams that are just completely physically overmatched compared to Ohio state. So I, I think it's, I think you're, you're actually underselling the potential he has to have a big year. Well, don't undersell me underselling him just yet. Cause I'm actually writing a piece. I think it's going to come out Friday where, and again, we're not going to go too much off topic here, but this is unreasonable expectations week on Land Grant Holy Land. And the piece I'm writing Friday is I think that we will see the return of like the Ohio State sack artist in 2023. It's been a long time since a guy like Chase Young dominated. I, I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to go with Tui Molo out, but I definitely could because, again, I think he's going to be a first rounder. So I obviously think the world of him. I've got one more projected first rounder and... I wanted to throw a wild card at you. You're either going to give me a massive thumbs up or a massive thumbs down right away. I've got Denzel Burke going in the first round, probably latter half. Listen, listen, we saw the run on DBs this year. Um, Like we've talked about wide receivers and pass rushers, like, It's good to have a good one or two, you know, number one or number two cornerback as well. He was not good last year. We've talked about it on this website, uh, you know, on this podcast, I mean. We've written about it on the website. It's known, right? Denzel Burke struggled in 2022, but he was a freshman All-American, a true freshman All-American. The guy was not the top cornerback in his class at Ohio State you know, outpaced all of them, got on the field right away and played really well in 2021. He has, according to coaches and his teammates, looked fantastic since the end of the 2022 season during the offseason. And look, he played a little bit better towards the end of the year last year. So I'm banking on rebound potential and he's got the size, he's got the skill, he's got the speed. You know, he's like 6'6", 190-ish. We've seen it before. And if he approaches that level of play again, that's why I'm willing to put him as a projected first rounder right now. I know I said that, but I, I actually completely agree with you. I'm, I'm all in on Denzel Burke. <laughs> I'm all in after the spring, right? He, he did exactly what he needed to do this spring, which was come in here and play like they thought he could have played last year and like he did play as a freshman. So whatever it was that happened, new system, it took him a little time. Maybe he was a little banged up. Maybe he was just a 20 year old kid. And sometimes uh, that stuff like that happens when you're 20 years old. I'm all in. I I think he, he is going to be easily in the first round discussion because I just think he's going to perform and have a great year. Okay, so not as much of a wild card as I thought it might be. I think we were, you know, in step on three out of four. You right now disagree with Emeka Buka. I can't fault you for that disagreement, really. I mean, because you're right. <clears throat> if the numbers aren't there, they're not there, and that could definitely drop him down a bit. But some cohesion there between the two of us. 
I don't want to ask you who I missed because you can just chime in as we go through these other days here. So, you know, I think we're at a good stopping point for right now. Chuck, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll cover day two and day three, guys. We are back on Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant's flagship podcast, and we're going through our, or my, 2024 NFL Draft Day projections, Uh, and then my lovely co-host across the way here, Chuck Holmes, is thumbs up or thumbs down, he loves that I call him lovely there, but we went through the first round guys, at least the ones that I came up with. Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, JT Tuimolowau, and Denzel Burke. Chuck was thumbs up on three of those players, slightly thumbs down on Emeka Ibuka. We're going to jump right into day two here. So, Chuck, it took me a second, but I I realize I've got a run of defensive players going here. This is not my order. I will say that. So, I know we went to Imolowau, Burke, and this next guy. No order here outside of maybe the day one, guys. We're just going random here. So the first day two projection that I have, Chuck, is on the defensive line, Mike Hall Jr. I've got him projected as a day two guy. Whether that's round two or round three, we saw the flashes last year. He, like his uh, per snap pressures or something like that has got to be near the top of the country when this guy's in and when he's healthy he's super disruptive he is a force along the defensive line for Ohio State hopefully he can remain healthy this year and you know look he's not going to have to rotate in behind guys like Jerron Cage and Teron Vincent no offense but as long as he's on the field he's he's going to be on the field as long as he is healthy, he is going to be on the field a lot more, and I think he's going to put up big numbers. So what do you think about Mike Hall Jr. as a day two guy? I think you're selling him short. I think he's staying healthy, and he could easily, if he gets in that 8, 9, 10 sack range, I mean, he had four and a half sacks in the first five games last year and then got banged up. And the, and the same thing, right? If we're going to if we're gonna see them play 15 games, potentially, he's going to have the opportunity. So Mike Hall stays healthy. I think he produces enough that he ends up being a first-round pick. So this was the guy that I probably went back and forth on the most, was him as a potential yeah, day one yeah, guy. I don't believe that. I believe you're only saying that because you want to act cool and you're trying to win this podcast, but in reality, you know you've already lost. No, I'll tell you the other guy too after I, I bring him up, but I, I'm with you on Michael Jr. I think he could sneak into that first round if he can replicate what we saw in his best games last year and have more of them. Second guy I've got as a potential day two pick next year. Arguably the most talented guy along the offensive line. Certainly the most proven returnee. I've got Donovan Jackson as a day two guy. I know he plays that interior position, not nearly as sexy as an offensive tackle, right, left, or other. But, well, I guess there can't be other. But I think he's a really good guard. And I think that he's going to be the anchor of the Ohio State offensive line this year. And so, again, I... I don't know what to throw you out, throw out there stats wise or kind of plead my case. I just think he's a really good guard. He's going to get better in 2023 and be a day uh, round two or round three guy on day two. Yeah. I mean, you just look at the pedigree. He was a, a high level recruit. 
He came in, he got a little bit of playing time as a freshman, and he locked down a starting spot as a sophomore. Like to me, that's that's what he's going to be, right? Guards, you got you have to be a dog to be a first round pick. So second to third round, I, I agree. That's where he's going to end up falling. The other, I'm going to skip a guy here. So number three, day two. I know I'm going to throw those same numbers out a lot, but this is the other guy that I felt has day one potential, but I also think he has the longest way to go. And I, I imagine you'll agree with me pretty quickly as far as having a ways to go. I've got Jack Sawyer right now as a day two guy, whether that's round two or round three. If he plays to the level that I think he can, and many pe- many other people think that he can, you know, Jack Sawyer was neck and neck with JT Tuimoloau as a high school recruit, arguably as good of an athlete. You know, they both played football, basketball, things like that. <clears throat> He's got the size. He's, I don't know, probably been on the field more than JT Tuimoloau through two seasons. It just hasn't been at the spot that he should be playing. He's been playing out of position. A lot of that Jack sort of new position that Jim Knowles brought with him, it seems like they're going to have him playing traditional defensive end this year where he always should have been, and I think the sky's the limit. He has flashed in spring games and things like that. If he gets to play you know, down in, down out as part of a rotation with Tui Molowau, maybe Kenyatta Jackson, Caden Curry, guys like that, and he's not moved all around as a stand-up guy, which never really should have been the case, I think Jack Sawyer could really surprise some people, but he's going to have to because he has not had the stretches of dominance a la JT Tui Molowau in like last year's Penn State game. I'm going off the board because I don't think he comes out. I think because okay. he is the second I, I think because he's the second best defensive end at Ohio State, I think he looks at it as, okay, I could be a second or third round pick. And I don't disagree that that could be where he lands. But I think he they're gonna look at it as, okay, well, why don't we just go be the main pass rusher as a senior? And guys staying for senior years in football is a little bit different than basketball, since I threw all my notes away about the NBA draft. We he comes back and he then throws 12 sacks up on the board, then he's a top 15 pick, right? So I'm uh, I'm thumbs sideways incomplete. That's fair, though. You backed it up. And the other thing, too, is he's from Columbus, right? He's home. So you throw a little bit of NIL money his way. I know he's been getting, you know, new cars. I've seen car. the truck he's driving. Yeah, I've seen the trucks. He's doing all right. Exactly. So even if he plays really well this year, like I said, he's home. He may enjoy it here, and maybe he wants to achieve more either individual or team success. So, you know, I'd love to see him stay four years. So, good argument by you. Two more left as far as day two guys go for me. The next one up is one of my favorite players on the team. If you've listened to this podcast in the past, you know that I am his number one fan. I am the founding member member of the fan club. Tommy Terrific. Touchdown, Tommy. Tommy Eichenberg is a badass, and he proved that last year, and he arguably <clears throat> should have won the Buttkiss Award. I don't even think he... Was he nominated? I think like Drew Sanders or somebody else from Arkansas. Research is on that right now. Chuck's giving me a look, but... Tommy Eichenberg was arguably the best linebacker in the country last year. 
has gotten you know exponentially better. Two years ago, he was in a rough spot, and I think he was asked to do some things that he wasn't prepared to do. He struggled in coverage, but he turned it all around, and like I said, it was just an overall badass. I know that middle linebackers are not the most in-demand position, but we just saw the Detroit Lions take Jack Campbell out of Iowa. Jack Campbell, arguably a better athlete. He's certainly bigger, but I love Tommy Eichenberg. I think he's going to replicate his 2022 success again this year and become a day two guy next year. For the record, he was not a finalist. Uh, Jack Campbell won it. That and uh, Drew like Sanders. Drew Sanders, Calvin Pace Jr. Yeah, I, Ivan Pace Jr. Calvin Pace is not old enough to have a junior. Well, I, he was a bust a long time ago. I realized who I just brought up. Don't don't count out Calvin Pace as having a junior. And uh, Diane Henley from Washington State and Jamin Dumas Johnson from Georgia. So. My my argument to your argument is we can't base where the Ohio State guys are going to get drafted based on what the Detroit Lions did. What Dan Campbell does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we we just can't base it. I, I don't. I, I'm thumbs down. I think he's a fourth or fifth round guy just because of the 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 numbers. He's not going to test off those charts like Jack Campbell did or Drew Sanders. So I, I think he's probably a fourth or fifth round guy now. He could end up being a starter for 10 years. He he wouldn't be the first middle linebacker that got drafted in the middle of the draft and ended up still being a, a, a guy that stayed on the field for year after year after year. Fair. You know, I'm still not going to be swayed on that one. You brought up the testing numbers. I think that's interesting. I have no idea how Tommy Eichenberg will test. You know, we've watched his game film. We've watched him play. I don't know what his straight line speed is. Like it might be far worse than I expect. Maybe he runs like a four six and I'd be like, wow, that's really damn fast for Tommy Eichenberg. I didn't know. So <clears throat> that is fair. That's interesting. If he runs a four, six, five, four, seven, like a slow number, even for a linebacker, then yeah, he's going to sink like a rock, but who knows? Maybe he surprises some people. Last guy here with a day two projection grade, whatever, for me. Maybe it's a wild card. Maybe it's a curveball. I'm not sure. But this would not have sounded, you know, wild two years ago or this time a year ago. I'm not sure. I've got Travion Henderson as a day two guy. Uh, I don't know how you're going to react. Again, this is real time. I am basing this off of talent and attributes, and things like that. He's 5'10", 210, one of the fastest guys on the Ohio State roster. As a true freshman, he came in, had about 1,600 total yards, 19 total touchdowns. They used him in the passing game, which did not happen last year. I think it could happen again this year because you've got a new unproven quarterback I, I think I'm going out on a limb here, but again, I'm just baking on talent. This guy was the top running back in his recruiting class and when healthy has done some really good things for the Buckeyes. So what do you think of Travion Henderson as a second or as a day two, either second or third round NFL draft pick? It all comes down to health, right? He he's the, the exact opposite of Tommy Eichenberg, right? We know he's going to test well. We know he's big. We know he's fast. We know he's elusive. So if he stays healthy, 
and thus produces, it, I, I think you're right. The, the challenge, I think, will be keeping him healthy. You know, once a – he's going to have to prove it again. Once a running back has a year like he had last year, you've got to come back and prove it. And guys have done it, right? J.K. Dobbins did it. His sophomore year wasn't great. He was banged up most of the year. He had a good year, but it was nothing like his freshman year. And he came back as a, as a junior, ran for about 7,500 yards, and ended up being a second-round pick, just like we, what we're anticipating here. So I absolutely can see it. He's just got to prove he can stay healthy. Quick you know, quick question. I'm going to put you on the spot here. <clears throat> if he stays healthy and Ohio State really splits up their carries, he stays healthy but he has 850 yards, averages six and a half yards per carry, still puts up 10 touchdowns. Is he still going to go that high or could he still go that high? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's going to, you're going to look at the product production, right? If, if they're just splitting it and Mayan's also productive, that, that hasn't hurt people in the past, right? Josh Jacobs was a first round pick and he didn't even start for Alabama. So at an Ohio state, he can do that. He couldn't do it at, uh, Central Florida, but at Ohio State, it's okay because they look at the talent that's in that backfield and, and they can look past that. Okay, great. So no big arguments there. You know, I like the point you made about Jack Sawyer, and I'm with you on Mike Hall Jr. So again, we're we're kind of coming up with a good consensus here. Now we're going to move on to day three, and I'll go through these a little bit quicker. I think your first reaction. You can go thumbs up or thumbs down, or maybe you just think a couple of these guys could go up to day two because we're talking now rounds four through seven. So I'll hit you with them a little bit quicker. Day three, guys, I've got Lathan Ransom. Super productive for Ohio State when he's out there and he's on the field. We believe that he was Ohio State's best safety or most talented safety by a mile, but he's another guy I don't know how well he will test, and he hasn't always had the greatest numbers to speak to at Ohio State what do you think day three or could he rise thumbs up okay this is a guy that I feel strongly could rise because he's similar to Mike Hall Jr. the motor is the biggest question Tyleek Williams right now I would make him a day three guy but he's also had those really brilliant flashes on that Ohio State defensive line if the motor is there and he's able to play the snaps I think he could really skyrocket I'm thumbs down. I think he jumps up into the second, third round range because I think that happens. I, I, I'm bullish on this defensive line. I, I cannot wait to watch this defensive line perform. I, I think a lot of us are. I hope we're just all right. Um, <clears throat> next guy, Cade Stover. Look, he's not going to be your, your split out tight end, but he showed the ability to catch the ball last year, at least catch it better. He still struggled with some drops here and there. I don't think that he's going to test through the roof, but he does a little bit of everything and he's willing to do those things and he's a tough SOB. So tight end seems to be in vogue in the NFL as long as you can, you don't have stone hands and you can catch the ball on occasion. So I think Cade Stover can be a day three guy. Absolutely. He's your, your prototypical fourth, fifth round guy that was somewhat productive in college. Probably could have been more if the offense actually allowed him to, and will find a role at a minimum as a backup tight end in the league for as long as he wants to play and can stay healthy. Bengals question, would you draft him over Drew Sample in hindsight? 
I would have drafted him as a uh, 14-year-old. Would I, is that how old he was when Drew Sample was drafted? I, uh, yeah, I, I, that's when I would have taken him. That's how much <laughs> I hated that Drew Sample pick. That's really good inside baseball if you're a Bengals fan. That was good. All right. Next guy I've got pegged is a day three player right now. I'm not sure if he has the size. Like, I... I don't think he would fall all the way out of the draft because that typically doesn't happen to productive Buckeyes, but his size concerns me. I've got Steel Chambers as a third uh, day three linebacker. Love him to death, sticks his nose in there, very athletic playing that linebacker position, but he's not the biggest guy in the world and he hasn't played linebacker for a long time. Steel Chambers, day three-ish to you. Probably a late day three. I don't think he, like you said, he's just not an NFL-sized linebacker. So you look at somebody like, we, we just talked about him. Ivan Pace Jr. was a Butkus finalist, but he's 5'10 and 215 pounds, and he didn't get drafted. So I think sixth, seventh round, and that's if he's ultra, ultra uh, productive this year. Uh, he might be a guy that tests well, though. You know, former running back probably knows how to get out of the block pretty well so if he tests well we'll see but I'm with you it's just a size thing he's not a big thumper by any means and unless he's Hassan Reddick who can get after the quarterback a lot of linebackers at that size aren't taken that high in the draft <clears throat> next day three projected player from the Ohio State team for 2024's NFL draft no frills kind of guy I think he's just been consistent enough and he's going to have the the name brand recognition, Matthew Jones, another guard, probably a late five, six, seven round guy for me, but he's been steady and he's played a lot of snaps at Ohio State more so lately, but he's going to get another year under his belt. He's going to be an older prospect. So <clears throat> I, I'm thinking like six or seven, but I still have Matthew Jones with like a draftable grade as a draftable guy. Yeah, I think the only thing teams have to worry about is since he is 34 years old, are they, is he going to make it through his rookie contract because he may have to retire? Yeah, I think he's probably going to be, what, 24, 25 with only a couple of years of like true starting experience. So that could definitely work against him. And you can find linemen off the street or as undrafted free agents after the draft pretty quickly so or pretty readily available. So that could be his fate, but if he plays well this year, then he gets his name into the day three conversation. I, I saved the best two potential day three guys, in my opinion, for last. I don't believe you that these are the best two. I don't want to get yelled at for this guy, so I'm going to make him the penultimate candidate. <clears throat> I can't quit him. I can't get off my real estate. The market is rough right now. I, I went super heavy, interest rate through the roof, so I'm stuck with my condo on Fleming Island. I'm not giving up on Julian Fleming, okay? I know what you're going to say. I know you probably want to throw something at me right now through the, through the call here, but he's still got the pedigree. We think he's still super athletic. Flashed at times last year. He's going to be Ohio State's projected right now third wide receiver, which means he could be productive. I, I don't know, man. Talk me out of it. But for right now, I've still got Julian Fleming as a day three draft candidate. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's a penny stock. 
okay, it's not a penny stock, but it, it's not a. <laughs> it's, it's Dogecoin. Not at, he is Dogecoin. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's not trading at a fifty-two week high. That's for sure. Uh, I I don't see it, but I guess I I think his way to do it is an injury ahead of him, so that it almost guarantees that he's on the field. That's the only way I see it. Unfortunately. I wish I had like better example or some actual like concrete examples to back it up, but we have seen on day three these guys get drafted, whether it's from a big school or not. And it's like, oh hey, this kid was a five star recruit in the X or you know ABC class, never really clicked, but he did this, that, and the other. So that's why I think he's a flyer. I'm with you. It's like Dogecoin. It's a penny stock. It's something you just. It's a lottery ticket, and that's what he could be. I hope that he stays healthy, but we didn't even see him in the spring game. So, fingers crossed. I'm not too optimistic about that one. <clears throat> the last day three candidate that I have, I'm not the lowest on him. Like I said, this isn't in any sort of order. I think he's just very, very, very interesting case. Mayan Williams. He is... Uh, the round mound of rebound as a running back. I don't think that he's going to run a four four forty, but he's tough. He's been productive. He's got a great nose for the end zone. I love his balance. Like he gets, he should get knocked off balance. He teeters right or left and doesn't go down. He breaks tackles again, like an SOB. So I could see him being fourth round. I could see him being seventh round. I could, I guess see him going as an undrafted free agent. But I am buying Mayan Williams stock at whatever price it's at because I just think he's a productive back. And I think that if he's healthy and he's the 1B, I think he adds value and he can be of service to an NFL team. Yeah, it's all about health for him as well. If he's healthy the entire year, it's not going to hurt him that he was splitting snaps with Travion Henderson. NFL teams aren't going to care. They're going to care that he played 15 games got his 10 or 12 carries and averaged six or seven yards for those carries. If he does that and can break a couple and show he's got a little bit of, of wiggle to him at all. Yeah, I, I absolutely can see this. All right. So that is it right now for my projected day one, day two, three guys, about 15 in total. I threw you a couple of wild cards. I've got mega, mega wild cards listed and feel free to give me a little feedback or a lot. I have them as mega mega wild cards because first and foremost, I haven't watched Ty Hamilton enough. Okay, he's the first guy. He has played more than any of these other guys, at least at Ohio State in Columbus. I have not been dialed in on Ty Hamilton. I know the coaches love him. He's been productive at times. He's going to be in that defensive tackle rotation, maybe even the starter. And one of those other guys comes off the bench, potentially – I don't have enough on Ty Hamilton. Jump in if you feel otherwise. But the other mega, mega wild cards that I have, Jihad Carter did some things at Syracuse. I got to see him in this in uh, the scarlet and gray. Josh Proctor, I got to see him play a starting position on the field, do some things. I loved Josh Proctor two, three years ago, but then he had the injury, hasn't really bounced back. And the last one's Kyle McCord. I have no idea. He's an Ohio State quarterback, so if he puts it all together and puts up big stats, who the hell knows? He could work his way into day one conversation. I don't I don't want to say that I don't think that that's going to happen because I just I have no clue with Kyle McCord. So I'm going to leave him as a an unknown, a joker, 
a wild card. Do you vehemently disagree with any of those names, Chuck? Yeah, I I, agree. I don't think McCord goes regardless, even if he has a great year, because I, I think he's a smart enough kid to know and see the track record of guys that don't have enough starts going into the NFL, and he just won't have enough starts, right? Best case scenario for him is he has 16 starts, and that's just not enough generally for a guy. The, the chances of you being a successful NFL quarterback just aren't there. Right. So I think he's off the board. I think good, bad, or indifferent. He's either the starting quarterback at Ohio State for another year or he transfers because he struggled. Like there's, I don't know that there's anything in between. Uh, Jahad Carter, I actually think has a chance and I think he will. I think because he's going to play once he's healthy, he's just, he's talented enough. He's going to be on this team and he's going to end up, I think leaving because he's going to have been in college for four years. And if he doesn't, if they don't think he's going to be, if he's not going to get faster or not going to get bigger, just go start that clock. Right. Uh, Josh Proctor, I I'm out. I, I just don't see how he keeps the job at all. And uh, who, who's number four, Jesse Murko. Ty Hamilton defensive tackle I I think he's going to be good but I just I haven't been dialed in like I said yeah yeah, I I think this is best case for him I mean but no I don't I don't know enough to say he's definitely gonna end up as a fifth round pick or any all fair I like we had what you had to say about Jihad Carter makes me a little bit more optimistic I mean he played a lot at Syracuse so I think the potential is certainly there and if he nails down this like nickel position that's so important in Jim Knowles' defense and I think that'll raise his stock so we've gone through the list Chuck I I don't have too much more to add but I will say this I listed six players 16 players sorry not including those mega mega wild cards the last four the NFL record for players taken in one draft from one school is 15 set by Georgia in 2022 Ohio State shared the previous record of 14 accomplished by the 2004 class. And also in 2016, Ohio State had 10 players taken in the first three rounds, which I think is still a record. All this to say that or ask you this. We don't know how it's going to shake out. You know, I could go 0 for 16 here. You agreed with like 13. So, you know, we could both be completely wrong here, but... Is there any chance that this 2024 draft class from Ohio State is a record-setting one for the Buckeyes? Whether that's, you know, they break the total record of 14, whether they have 11 guys go in the first three rounds. I don't know. I think we had nine as day one or day two in our discussion. Any chance that this upcoming class, as we see it constructed, is going to be like, you know, best all time in Ohio state history. I don't know if it can be, but if it does, all they're going to be talking about on the broadcast is another player from the national champion, Ohio state Buckeyes, because if they perform, if all these guys perform to this potential, they're, they're winning the natty. Like that's just, that's where it's at. Yeah, you're right. If you have 16 guys and maybe, a 17th or an 18th yeah you're you're definitely doing something right and the way I look at it it might not be top heavy but I look at this list and maybe it's me being a homer like I didn't 
I couldn't easily scratch guys off. You know, I think the bottom of the list for me were probably Matthew Jones and Julian Fleming. But you're talking about a former top wide receiver in his class and Matthew Jones, a guy who at the very least is going to bring a ton of reps to his NFL team if he's drafted. So I'm not going to predict a record setting class by any means, but I do think this could be a very deep one for Ohio State if most or all of these guys are taken. So that is or has been our preview of the 2024 draft. Chuck is on his phone. He stopped looking at me. He sort of started to tune me out, which I know that that, that means I'm getting long-winded. And so I, I, I've got, I've got another podcast with this damn NBA draft coming up. I got (laughs) to make sure I still got all my information. I, I do have a question. This is our, our fifth podcast together. Is that correct? Third, fourth, fifth, something like that. We haven't done 50. I can tell you that much. Okay, so I'm not 50 and 0, but I do think I'm 5 and 0. So we'll put it out on social media and see if anybody agrees. But I, I just can't see how this isn't another successful podcast for me. Like I said, man, you always want to win, but it's just a couple of guys talking ball back and forth, a little draft action. But, uh, you know, for what it's worth, I think you're wrong and you're entitled to that opinion, just like you don't believe in Tommy Eichenberg, a.k.a. the second coming of Brian Urlacher. That's fine. But, but no, that's going to be it for us this week. <clears throat> um, you know, look, make sure you check out the website. We are doing theme weeks from here until probably fall camp. This week is Unreasonable Expectations Week. I have one piece coming out today, which is Wednesday by the time you hear this. Another one coming out Friday. But everyone on the website has good stuff coming out, some interesting reads there. And we're going to be cooking up what we can for the podcast, whether we adapt a theme week or not, or just go rogue like Chuck and I did this week with a 2024 draft projection. We'll see. But... Chuck, before I sign off here, you, do you have anything to add about some of these upcoming episodes or anything in general? I, I got a, an idea for us, and, and we can give out the information next week if we want to do it. What if we have a listener segment where they can write in and we answer listener questions at the end? I'd love to do it. I think we probably need to... I mean, Ch- Chuck is a little bit more active on Twitter through the the Hangout account. So I think that's definitely something. And that's, look, inside baseball here, that's easy content for us. And we would just like to interact with you guys. So, Chuck, I love that idea. We'll put that out on social now that you've heard it on the podcast. Look for the Hangout Twitter account. Send us a question. DM us whatever you want. We'll definitely do that in the future because I, I would love to interact with you guys and hear some of what you have to say. So that's definitely coming up. Even if Chuck has to go under a pseudonym and send the questions himself as uh, shock Holmes or something like that. He's got a couple <laughs> aliases. No <burners>. Yeah. <laughs> like, no burners. So, um, but yeah, that sounds like a really good idea. We're going to jump into some fantasy football stuff and then, I don't know, probably July-ish is when we'll start looking at some other Big Ten teams and or the schedule down the road. So 
we're thirsty for content, whatever we can come up with or whatever you can come up with right now. We're all ears. We're all eyes on Twitter.com. So hit us up. And that's about all we've got from, you know, on behalf of Chuck Holmes, I am Josh Dooley. Make sure that you go out and you like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast and hit us up social. But that's going to be it for us this week. As always, 